0: And that's seriously the first uh, intro video I think I've ever seen, because um, I don't normally get to be here with everybody. Um, but I'm really happy to see everybody here uh, this Sunday. These are always uh, a sweet blessing for me to be able to uh, come and teach the adults. Uh, I do want to say real quick, I, I sent an email last night saying there was a PTA meeting today. That's a mistake. I don't know what I was thinking. It's still for September 10th. So it's not this Sunday, it's next Sunday for children, parent-teacher meeting. It's not today, it's next Sunday. I just want to say that right now. Uh, but anyway, I get the privilege of kind of landing the plane and concluding uh, this series on location, location, location. And for me, it's been absolutely awesome. Although I don't get to sit here on Sundays to hear the message, listening on the podcast is great. If you guys have podcast, you drive in the car, I really recommend. It's a great way to just stay in touch with the message in case you miss on a Sunday, because I know how hard it could be in a series, and you miss parts two and three, and here's parts four and five, and you don't know what's going on. So I really encourage that. And it's been a great uh, journey, location, 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 Um, talking about, you know, do you live in the past and the present? Like, that was really cool for, for me to hear, Pastor Sam talking about how, you know, your past errors and your past mistakes, you know, like can come to haunt you and almost paralyze you and trap you from experiencing, you know, God's forgiveness and God's mercy and this like newness of life that, that he offers. You know, I had a, a conversation with someone who was visiting church that Sunday who had a lot of just baggage in his history, and he was opening up and he was confessing to me about it and how that really spoke to him in um, the second part of the series we talked about location 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 do you live in the positive or the negative you know do you live with pessimistic thinking all the time is is every day just going to be a bad day you know and not realizing that God says like his mercies are new every morning and how awesome it would be to just Wake up with a new mindset, a brighter mindset, and a better start to our day, you know, or last week, you know, do we live for the light or the dark, you know, and scripture is very clear about painting God as he is light, he is the source of light, so it's like if we live for the light or the dark, it's a question of, do you want to draw nearer to Jesus or further from Jesus? Do you want to be closer with his church, or do you want to be further from his church? I really appreciated um, these last three weeks of messages. And today we get to talk about do you live for heaven or for hell? No light topic for Jimmy Davis. Uh, <laughs> um, so, this topic, um, gosh, each of these, heaven and hell, they're so big. Like, you could probably make your own sermon series out of this topic alone. So just know, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to be able to say everything there is to say on the subject. If you want to know more, please, like, pull Pastor Sam aside, pull me aside, email us, text us. We would love to tell you more, but because you and I both don't want a Pastor Sam Bang-length sermon, (laughs) uh, just come find me later. (laughs) But heaven and hell, um, you know, this generally... This generally has two different responses, I feel like, when you talk about heaven and hell. Either some people, okay, they're filled with hope and peace and this confident relief uh, when it comes to the afterlife. For them, they, they just have complete certainty, and there's, like, no fear of death. For them, death isn't a concern, death isn't an issue, death isn't a fear. Um, it's just you have a confident relief about it. But there are some that respond with more, like, No, this is a topic that angers me, this offends me, or maybe it'll cause you to have concern or worry, but that's usually generally one of the two responses you get when you talk about heaven and hell. Now, I feel like a lot of pastors, they don't like talking about heaven and hell, especially hell. Um, Pastors, like, maybe they're just afraid to talk about hell because it's not PC, uh, nowadays, you know, what they would rather preach on, okay, they would rather say, God's love, God's grace, just flowery, you know, stuff. But, and God's love and God's grace, I mean, those are important things. Those are absolutely important things, you know, but what they end up happening is they, they create what I call hippie Jesus. And hippie Jesus, okay, he has long hair, he has this multicolored tunic, he's got flowers in his hair, joint in his hand, you know, this hippie Jesus, he's cool with all the sin in your life because love wins, you know, and we're all God's children. And, like, that's not true. Like, everybody is God's creation, but not everybody is God's child. Those are those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah, love wins, but we also like to see justice done. Part of love is seeing justice done, so... We do need to talk about it. It's an important subject to talk about. And by the way, do you know who spoke the most about heaven and hell? Jesus. Jesus is the number one person who spoke the most about this topic. Okay? And this is something funny. Francis and I, we were like researching this last night because we weren't sure if heaven and hell was like the number one topic or the number two topic that Jesus talked about because he talks a lot about money. Two, and it's like back and forth. But for the most part, the topic of heaven and hell is part of his top two for sermon topics. So I want you to think about this. You have God in the flesh. God comes down as Jesus Christ. Okay, He gives Himself only three and a half years of ministry. Only three and a half years. And what does the guy want to talk about most? Heaven and hell. So this is something we really need to know. Because Jesus obviously ob- obviously sees it as, oh my God, like <laughs> it's recorded, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got it. I need some coffee. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So it's an important topic. So while there's many passages that we can look at. <laughs> Um, Today, I just want us to focus on a parable that Jesus has called, it's the rich man and Lazarus, and you can find it in Luke chapter 16. Um, So I won't put the verse up just yet, but if you want to start turning there in your Bibles, uh, go ahead and start flipping to uh, Luke chapter 16. So before we start at that passage, though, I kind of want to state the obvious. The obvious is you're going to die. In case you didn't already know. Um, you're going to die. Um, no matter what you believe, what religion. Uh, scripture says, Hebrews 9, 27, it has been appointed for every man and woman once to die and then appear before the judgment. Okay, so your number will come up. My number will come up. So, spoiler alert, in this story are two guys and there are Gonna die. Okay. So um, if you're already at Luke 16, go ahead and just read with me the first couple verses. We will have them up on the screen as well. But let me read for us. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades. Okay, so these two men, they die and they go to two separate places, which is the first point that kind of Jesus teaches about in this parable is that hell is a real place. Hell is a real place where real people really go there, and I know that may sound like a duh, like, of course, but believe it or not, there's a lot of people who believe that hell isn't real, that hell doesn't exist. Um, There's one position, it's called annihilationism, that basically says that when you die, you just go into nothingness. You just stop existing, uh, and that's that. Um, One such, uh, I think, religion that believes that are like Seventh-day Adventists, they're annihilationists. But it's important for us to, to, for me to tell you, hell is a real place with real people. But the objection goes like this if you think about this, I mean, wouldn't, if God's good, right? Do you agree God's good? Well, if God's good, doesn't it seem more merciful for God to just stop your existence than to send you to hell forever and ever and ever? Right? That sounds like that would be a more merciful thing to do. If you had a poor quality of life, wouldn't you want someone to just put you out of your misery? Well, this is akin to the debate on euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide, right? People say, like, oh, because you don't have a certain quality of life, it's better for me to just kill myself. But that gets kind of sticky, right? Because then where do you draw the line? Is it when you have only 80% brain activity? Is it when you only have 50% mobility? Where do you draw the line where someone's allowed to just kill themselves? Whereas the other side of the debate would be the people who have a position of called sanctity of life. These are people who say that the human life is valuable in and of itself. Like, human life is precious because you are all image bearers of God. That's important to us as human beings, and guess who it's important to, too? It's important to God. So if you want to pick, like, which side of the debate God might be on, God's on the side of, I value life. I value life so much that I'm, I'm not willing to extinguish it, no matter what you choose, heaven or hell. So the fact of the matter is people do live, okay, after death. Okay, there is the resurrection for everybody, but what is clear from this parable is Lazarus goes to one place and the rich man goes to another. And the reality is the same for you and I too. We won't be annihilated. We won't cease to exist. We will exist. It's just a matter of where your address is going to be. Do you live for heaven or do you live for hell? So the first point we learn is that hell is a real place with real people who are really going there. And the second point that Jesus teaches in this parable okay, is that Hell is a place for people who do not want God. It's a hell place for for people who don't want God. So read read the next couple verses here uh, with me. So, in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. The rich man called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send me over to the other side so that I can be with God forever and ever. Oh, wait, that's not what it says. No, he says, Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I did that on purpose, okay? Because if this guy's in torment, okay, if he's in hell then and he's looking at heaven, he's looking at Lazarus and Abraham in heaven... Well, why isn't he saying what you would think he would say? Like, let me go to heaven. Why do I have to be here in hell? I would much rather be in heaven. But that's not what he says. So, and the reason why is because he doesn't want repentance. He wants relief. You see that? You see the difference? Okay. He doesn't want to be in hell, but it also doesn't seem like he wants to be in heaven either. And that's, I don't know if you noticed, that's the attitude of of many people today. There are many people today, I'm sure if if I talk to them, you talk to them, and you told them how awful hell was, right? If a person knew how bad hell was, do you think they would choose hell? Would you choose hell if you knew how bad it was? No, I don't think anyone would choose hell. But when you talk to people, you say, will you change your life? Follow Christ, live for God. They also are like, ugh. I don't want that either. See, people want their cake and want to eat it too. Like, this is so much like, you know, I don't, I don't want to have bad breath, and I don't want to have yellow decaying teeth, but, you know, I also don't want to brush my teeth either. You know, I want to lose 10 pounds, but I'm not about to stop eating that king taco, you know, or, <laughs> you guys had that last night. I know, I know. You know, or it's like that person who says, you know what? Uh, I'm not ready to tie myself down in a committed marriage, but I, I do want to keep sleeping with my girlfriend and boyfriend. Okay? It's just we live in this day and age where people don't want hell, but they don't want heaven. They want their own thing. And that's just not the way it works. It doesn't work like that here. It doesn't work like that with God. Okay? Hell is a place for people who do not want God. The third thing that we learn from this parable, sorry, is that God gives sufficient, no, God, there's no exit door, right? Yes. Hell has no exit door. Okay. So let's read this. But Abraham said, "'Child, remember that you in your lifetime received good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. And now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish.' And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. So hell has no exit door. The way I kind of think about this is my friend Brandon. So if you know Brandon, you know he's terrified of roller coasters, I mean, he is super scared of roller coasters. And if you've ever been on a roller coaster, you stand in line, right? And sometimes you're standing in line for a really long time. So Brandon, doesn't Brandon have all this time and all this opportunity to get out the line? Like, he doesn't have to ride the ride. He has so much time to get out of line, he doesn't have to ride it. But once Brandon gets in the seat, the restraints come down on him, and the ride starts to go, can Brandon get off the ride? Brandon can't get off the ride. He's stuck on this roller coaster. <laughs> That's how it works with with hell, right? There is no, like, yes, no, maybe kind of thing. You can't maybe get off the roller coaster once it's started. It's like, it's yes or no. Like, you're either going to get off the roller coaster or you're going to stay on it. Because once it, it goes, there's no coming off of it. Okay? And again, like I said, like, we're all going to die. Like, the t- clock's ticking for you know, many of us, for some of us it's a little sooner rather than later. I'm not gonna point fingers. Um, but, you know, the hell has no no exit door. <clears throat> um I don't know if there's anything else I wanted to say about that. I think just go on to the next point. And that point is that God gives sufficient warning when it comes to, to hell. And this is what we see the, the rich man say in verse 27. The rich man said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. So here's this rich man, and he, he finally gets it. It clicks, all right? He's on the roller coaster. There's no getting off of it now. Things are just done for him. And all of a sudden, he wants to be a good guy. All of a sudden, he has this altruistic uh, move that he makes, and he says, hey, things suck over here for me. Can you send Lazarus to my five brothers and warn them so that my five brothers don't end up where I'm at? And Abraham says, done. He's like, they have Moses and the prophets. You had, you had Moses and the prophets. You know? So if you see in this parable, does anyone find it interesting that the rich man calls Lazarus by name? He calls Lazarus by name. What does that suggest? He knew him. Totally knew him. And if he knew Lazarus, he knew the poor conditions that he was in, and he did absolutely nothing about it. So what does Moses and the prophets say? Well, Jesus said, I sum up Moses and the prophets with these two commands, Jesus said. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and what? To love your neighbor as yourself. See, the rich man had Moses and the prophets. And he, he rejected that. And then he wound up where he wound up. And then he wants his five brothers to be saved. And the, it's the same thing. They have Moses and the prophets. Now, you and I, we have a little bit more than just Moses and the prophets. Okay? We get the entire scriptures beginning to end. Like, we have the very beginning of the story. We also have the very end of the story. Okay? For us, like, we know that Jesus comes back a second time. Okay? We know that when Jesus comes back, he's not going to be riding on a donkey going to his murderer. No, he's going to come on a big white horse, sword in hand, taking names and kicking butt. It's a different kind of Jesus that we see that comes back. So do you and I, do we have sufficient warning? Oh my God, totally do. So again, it's, you have a choice. God made free free will creatures. You and I get this ability called free choice to take the facts at hand and make a decision about it. Now, I'm going to share just super briefly, okay, about my particular testimony, because when I was 13, I heard someone, like, talk about heaven and hell, and how about those who don't know Jesus, like, they go to hell, and hell's this really bad place with fire and flames, and it sounds like it's really terrible. So at 13, I had enough sense to kind of weigh the pros and the cons, and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to go to hell, okay? And I'm like, maybe I want to go to heaven. So I was in that camp of, I want my cake and eat it too. I didn't want I definitely don't want to go to hell. I'm all unsure about heaven. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to go ahead and say yes to Jesus. I'm going to go ahead and pray the prayer, the you know, magical, special prayer that makes you saved. And uh, basically when it comes, it becomes fire insurance. Okay, it becomes hell insurance. So just in case my number comes up, just in case I die, oh, thank God, at least I subscribe to Jesus' insurance so I don't go, at least go to hell. Okay? And there's so many of us, like, I mean, there was 13, But God took that, and he absolutely just changed my life, and I got to grow more uh, into my faith in in Jesus Christ. But the fact of the matter is I had sufficient warning, okay? You have sufficient warning uh, to make a conscious free will decision. So now the last thing that I want to point out, that Jesus points out in this parable, um, is that people can and do refuse heaven. People can and do refuse heaven. You see it here in uh, verses 30 and 31. And the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But Abraham said, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Okay, so he doesn't he doesn't see the irony in that last sentence. But you and I, we see the irony only because you and I have a perspective that they don't have. You and I know that Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to get betrayed by one of his disciples, and Jesus is going to be crucified. But then you you and I also know what? That three days later, he will come back from the dead. And people will still not be convinced people will still not be convinced. Now, today, right, I can't just stand up here, give this sermon, and then just walk Jesus up to you, okay, so that you can see him, so you can touch Jesus, okay? I can't provide that kind of a a miracle for you to help convince you, okay? But what we do have, okay, is we have this avalanche amount of evidence, okay, for the resurrection, Like, so seriously, like, we are at a point today where even atheist historians don't even reject the empty tomb. It doesn't matter whether they're a Christian historian or an atheist historian. You talk to them, and they will all tell you, yes, Jesus was a historical figure, okay? Jesus was a Jew. He really was crucified by the Roman government, okay? His tomb was found to be empty, A couple hundred Jews claimed to have seen him, and then a few thousand Jews converted to Christians and lived these powerfully transformed lives, one of which was the Apostle Paul. See, every historian, almost every historian is going to tell you that this is true, that the resurrection, the empty tomb is is a thing. Now, they have different reasons, right? Like, it could be explained this way, it can be explained that way. But the fact of the matter is, When it comes to Christianity, if you study the topic of apologetics, there is so much evidence for the resurrection. There's so much evidence for Jesus. And yet, people will, you can give them this evidence, and you know what people are still going to do? People are still going to turn a blind eye. People are still going to say, yeah, but no. And why is that? And it's because people in their hearts, it's already hardened. They already made a determination in their hearts that God doesn't exist, Jesus isn't real, Christianity is a hoax, and when it comes to evidence, this is a known fact. You are going to remember this, okay? But the mind will always reject what the heart already says is false. It's worth me saying that again, because I don't want you to miss this, okay? The mind, okay, will always reject what the heart already says is false. Which means it does not matter what overwhelming evidence I give you. If you've already decided in your heart that you don't want God, well, guess what? There's a real place with real people, and there's a place for people like that. They're already, their minds are already made up. They're going to live after death, and so there's this place for people who do not want God. And the fact of the matter is, if you don't want God, then you don't get God. It's being away from his presence. I think I might have had a verse uh, up there. Um, Yes, and I don't have it here in my scripture, so I'll need to read it. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. You want no God, you get no God. Because why is hell tormenting? Okay, we like to think because you've seen the cartoons, right? There's this guy in a red jumpsuit and a pitchfork, and there's flames, and we don't want to go to hell because the flames sound like pretty bad, you don't want to get burned. Well, We kind of get that because when you read the book of Revelation, okay, it talks about like a lake of fire and just a bunch of fire, right? So when you picture hell, you always picture fire. But Revelation is what's called apocalyptic literature. And apocalyptic literature uses a lot of figurative language. So this may come to a shock. It came to a shock to me when I kind of learned about this in seminary. But guess what? Like the flames are figurative. They're not literal flames. Okay. If the flames were literal, think about this. If the flames were literal and hell is a place of complete darkness, well, you couldn't have complete darkness and fire. That would be contradicting things. Or you think about this. We know hell is a place prepared okay, for Satan and his angels. Now, Satan and his angels, they're immaterial beings. Fire, how is fire going to hurt immaterial beings so just these are just two things i just want to give you for now like the flames of hell aren't literal the reason why hell is a tormenting place is not because it has fire it's because it has no god that's what's tormenting and the rich man didn't see that he wanted relief from whatever he was experiencing but he didn't want god and you think about this. If God is the source of all life and all light and all love, and hell is a place where none of that exists, of course it's a tormenting place. Imagine being in a place where there is no love, only destruction, only decay. You'd want relief from that too. But he's not willing to go to a place where there is God, which is where I want to take us to now. And that's heaven. Like all the points that we made about hell just flip it on its head for a second, okay? Like, heaven is a place for people who want God. Heaven is a place where you have sufficient warning, okay, to choose it. If you're alive today, then that means you have sufficient time to get off the roller coaster and get on the heaven roller coaster, you know, you can look at the evidence. It's okay if, if you, have, you don't have your mind made up right now, but are you at least taking a look at the evidence with an open mind, or are you already deciding in your heart that, no, I don't want God? And I love this passage from Revelation. I, I want to read it for us um, about heaven. It says, that, this, is in, uh, this is John writing in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. See, the way it kind of works with hell is people whose hearts are hardened towards God only experience a further hardening of their heart but the opposite is true. Those who enjoy God now get to enjoy him even more after death. It's really that simple. It works one way, and then it works the other way. Okay, if you are a believer, okay, you are promised eternity with God. It's a great hope that you and I have. It totally changes the way we live today. You and I don't even have to a fear of death? Not really. I, I love that when I, I took this class at Talbot, and I was with this one professor, and I was learning about NDEs or uh, near death experiences. Okay, these are individuals, people, okay, who have flatlined, like they're literally declared dead. Okay, and they're dead for like a minute, two minutes, five minutes. Okay, and then they're brought back again. And my professor he shared this one story about this mean looking biker, gang member guy, and he flatlined. He died. And I forget how long he was was dead for, but the doctor brought him back. And this guy, he just came up to the doctor, and he grabbed the doctor, he said. This guy was angry. He was like, why? Why did you bring me back? And he started sharing this experience. He said, I was with Jesus. I was with him, and you pulled me out of it. How dare you? I was like, whoa, I didn't ex- expect that. And it's really interesting. Like, if you research this a little bit more, like, you'll, you'll read so many people, like, they come down with depression after they've experienced a near-death experience. And I think, why is it like that? I think it's because heaven is that good. Like, I think, I think God knows. I think God knows that if we knew how good heaven was, we'd probably just kill ourselves now. I mean, it's dark and morbid, I think, to say that, but and I also don't think it's God's will for, for, for us to kill ourselves, but I, I do believe that. I think heaven is so much better than we can imagine or think, and I think if, if we knew, we would probably be just as depressed knowing, gosh, why can't I have it now? I mean, I remember I was like, man, why can't I marry Francis tomorrow? And I had to wait and wait and wait. I mean, but this is heaven. So as I invite the, the worship team up, while, while I shared earlier, hell is a place for people who don't want God. If people get that free will choice to, to refuse heaven and, and be there. And the phrase, if, if you want no God, you get no God. Okay, if you want no God, you get no God. But isn't the opposite just as true? If you want God, you get God. Say it again, if you want God, okay, you can get to have him. He's completely available and offered to you. We have all the time right now, okay? Get out of line. Get off the roller coaster while you still can. And get on the right roller coaster. Because heaven also has no exit door. See, once you are in Christ, you are forever in Christ. When Jesus says, I came, I forgave your past, present, and future. It's done. Like Your, your name is written in what's called... The book of life. That when we die, okay, we don't cease to exist. No, this is when we die, we appear before Jesus. And he opens his book. And I think he's going to be so thrilled and so happy when he goes down and he sees Jerry, Faith, Sam. And we're going to be like, yes, thank you. I don't deserve this, but Jesus, I love you. This is the whole reason why Jesus came. Three and a half years of ministry. What does he want to talk about most? He wants to talk about heaven and hell and how he wants you to be with him forever and ever and ever. Can you imagine this for a second? I mean, a fuller love, a fuller peace. A fuller joy. to be in heaven, you get to be wrapped up in God's arms. I mean, you think about all the love that we get to experience. just from being around family, you get to be around your kids. and you feel that's so love. You get to be around your spouse. and that feels so good. Doesn't it feel wonderful? I tell you that pales in comparison to what it's going to be like to be wrapped up in God's arms do you live for heaven or do you live for hell And I invite us all to live for heaven pray with me Heavenly Father you are such a great God and you're a merciful God Lord scripture is clear that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one does good, not even one. No, Lord, your your justice, Lord, is we deserve hell. It's exactly what we deserve. We didn't want you, but you wanted us so badly that you were not willing to withhold your only begotten son, your greatest treasure, the one child that you love the most, and you looked at us and you said, We are so worth it. I will allow my son Jesus to die on the cross, to pay for our sins, that we could have heaven's door opened. A door that was once closed, but now that heaven's door is open to anybody who would reach for it. And I pray, Lord, if there is anybody here who is still on that roller coaster ride, now is the time to get out of line, now is the time to walk through that door of heaven and be wrapped up in God's arms you are waiting so patiently and you have done everything possible for us to be with you so now so now Lord help us to choose you and for those of us who have already chosen you help us to live our lives no more fear of death lord death has no sting we have nothing to be afraid of lord we have everything to look forward to. What a peace and what a relief we have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name I pray. Amen.